Gridiron Show in association with Sports Travel Tours, Sports Travel for Sports Fans, by Sports Fans. And of course today we're going to be discussing the sad passing of the greatest assistant coach of all time, the architect of the 46 defence, Buddy Ryan. Plus we'll touch on all the news, get your touch questions and much, much more. This is the Gridiron Show. Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Sports Travel Tours. Again, apologies, there was no show last week. I was stuck in a traffic jam for many, many hours and then in a muddy, muddy field watching lots of bands and having a right lark. Uh, what a highlight of uh, my early week when you posted a billion pictures on Twitter of your traffic jam. <laughs> I got picked up, a load of my tweets were in the Huffington Post. Wow. Yeah, because uh, it was... it was Dream uh, made for you there. Yeah, quite exactly. You know, I've, I've made it, guys. I've really made it. I've uh, gone Huffington. <laughs> basically, we were in that traffic jam for like seven straight hours. So I, me and Ben amused ourselves by tweeting out silly photos and Instagrams and, you know, just chatting to people on various social media because otherwise we would have just died of boredom not gonna lie i blocked you for that day <laughs> i hope you blocked me forever to be honest because i hate interacting with you on social media it's a very good point i actually bigged you up on social media you did. today i think you might have called me a genius i know i felt so you know, will gavin bad. ollie hunter in the studio obviously get in touch with us on social media at gridiron on twitter we love hearing from you there uh plenty to come up on today's show we're going to hear from uh, f- uh former chicago bears legendly legendary linebacker uh, Leslie Frazier, who we spoke to a couple of years ago when he was the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. We're just going to get his thoughts on the 85 defence. Another chance to replay that because it's a, a lovely little piece of interview. And then basically we're in a position right now where we're trying to line up a really top name interview for, to speak to us on Buddy Ryan. And there are emails with probably seven or eight a either members of that 85 team members of the team he coached at the eagles guys from the purple people eaters uh, people like dick vermeil who coached against him and mm-hmm. covered him when he was in philadelphia you know all of these people but because of the quite kind of sudden death and the fact that we're trying to kind of catch up with it being on american time i'm not sure who's going to squeeze in here so hopefully we'll have a really top level interview for you if not and one of them comes back to us i just think we put it in next week anyway ollie yeah let's put it in next week that's fair enough but either way we've raised and then tempered expectations which (laughs) is often the way with the gridiron show exactly exactly so you were saying about bigging me up on twitter well obviously you've been at glastonbury i'm 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 I hear you've had a good time. Uh, I had a wonderful once time. Once again, we have not spoken, uh, I think, <laughs> I think on purpose, because we knew that we were doing a show together. My, uh, my voice properly nearly went when I was doing TalkSport 2 earlier. Uh, I had a real teenage boy moment where wonderful. it cracked uh, quite nastily. So, uh, yeah, I, it's not been my most uh, productive day, but I, I, I just Sunday night I was having a whale of a time and i'm still feeling it now on wednesday uh, did you enjoy coldplay then i didn't watch coldplay good man i went to the lcd sound system it was the highlight of my weekend really and i wore a i wore i went and picked up and wore a coldplay wristband so it was flashing off with the leds and everything whilst we were watching lcd sound system and somebody next to us said why are you wearing one of those but you've come to the lcd sound system and i just painted them it's my coldplay alarm 
If this is going off, then you go nowhere near the pyramid stage because you know that Coldplay are playing. That's a great idea. I uh, hope he got it. <laughs> yeah, he laughed, so okay. it was fine. But the whole thing about that, I mean, that's just ironic. Is irony lost on people now? It's a little... the oh, I mean, the Coldplay are... I, I've watched back a bit of their set because I, I... But basically, I went home and watched Orange is the New Black and a load of Glastonbury highlights back. And, you know, they are good at what they do. They're great at what they do. Yeah. But they're just not for me. Not I find f- it all a bit contrived. Not for you, Beaky. Not for me. Um, I watched back the Super Bowl and uh well what 50 yeah super bowl 50 and from where we were the halftime show was rubbish but actually it was quite good on the telly yeah but i thought that they were a bit rubbish and then it got really good when everyone else turned up bruno well Martin, exactly yeah, well, bit, well it would do with uh, bruno wouldn't it uh we've had brexit you and i will no longer be europeans yeah um i'm moving to chile in like two years time so you've got two more years of this podcast and then we'll see if we can continue it from south america hablo espanol uh not yet but I will do. Uh, okay. Un poquito. Un poquito. <laughs> Un poquito. I love the way you actually did a little, little, yeah, little like a sign, sign with yeah. your hands there. Un poquito. Un poquito. Como uh, está? Yeah, está bien. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Uh, so yeah, that's um, that's cheesed me off over the last couple of days. Yeah, so I was I really down. Yeah, I, I found out my parents voted leave. Oh and, come on, hunters. And. I really don't, I mean, it's really disappointed me. I, I, I genuinely actually don't want to talk about it. Firstly, because I don't want to alienate people when I get angry again. But when I woke up at Glastonbury on Friday morning, and basically on the Thursday night, Sarah arrived on Thursday, so I'd spent all of Wednesday and Thursday getting absolutely wrecked out of my skull. Of course. Uh, when she arrived, we kind of went and got some food and did a little tour around, but we were in bed quite early, kind of one thirty ish 2-ish, something like that. Uh, I woke up at 5. Not going to lie, listeners, because I needed to go for a poo. Uh, looked at the result on my phone and genuinely didn't sleep again that night. And when everyone else got up the next morning, I was drunk by about nine and I just very, very angry. But I resolved to enjoy my weekend still. I did still enjoy my weekend, but I'm still quite angry. We go again. We move on. Who knows what the future holds for everyone that's Romania listening. are willing to take us in. We can become Romanians. Yeah, my I've got a problem where my grandmother was Scottish, but she was not born in Scotland, and she's no longer alive. So <laughs> that means I cannot claim a Scottish passport. How frustrating! Yeah, incredibly. Let's yeah, let's stop talking about this. Yeah, yeah, no, no, you're right. You're right. Uh, there's been football going on. There's uh, people have been getting in touch with us on Twitter at Gridiron and fun. N- absolutely no surprise whatsoever. What most of the uh, what most of the tweets have been about. Uh, James Grummet did ask us what has happened to the lost one. Now, what happened to the lost one was he had some tweets saying about the last show he did, which was very thrown together and last minute. Um, just saying, come on, guys, you need to raise your game. And I listened back to the lost one, and it was pretty terrible. Beyond the stuff by Muhammad Ali, which was now horrendously out of date. So I think the lost one's going to remain lost, to be honest. Lost forever. I think lost forever. Exactly. Is there anything in there that we could do for <coughs> the out? Outtakes, very possibly. The outtake one. We've always talked about doing an outtake one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, funnily enough, a lot of tweets have been coming in about the 85 Bears, the 46 defence, and the sad passing of Buddy Ryan. Uh, Simon Thurston asked us, the 85 Bears, 46 defence, best of all time. Uh, Adam Barton asked us to rank 85 Bears, uh, OO Ravens, and 15 Broncos on whole season performance. Uh, Simon Noble said, seeing Buddy getting carried off, unfortunately reminds me of when the douchebag Schwartz got his team to carry him off the field. And then the little bell emoticon, and then the little end emoticon. Strong work. 
so yeah, obviously this has been the big, big news that's dominated the NFL over the uh, last few years. Buddy Ryan, the famed inventor of the 46 defense, who was famously carried off the field by his players after the Bears Super Bowl 20 victory, died on Tuesday morning at the age of 25. Uh, the Bears confirmed Ryan's death. Um, Buddy Ryan's agent, James Solano, told the Associated Press he died in Kentucky but did not give a course. Uh, he was 26 seasons an NFL coach, part of three staffs that appeared in Super Bowl, but of course his crowning achievement was as the defensive coordinator of maybe the greatest defence of all time. Uh, when he um, Ryan, when he last was interviewed, because he'd been suffering from cancer for some time, said in 2011, the 85 Bears had the best defence that ever was and ever will be. It was a great scheme and great players. Uh, there's... there's Huge amounts you can say about him here. And the fact is, is that he was the defensive line coach of the Purple People Eaters. Uh, Alan Page has been speaking out absolutely brilliantly. Um, when Ryan came to the Bears, he officially named it the 46 in honour of safety Doug Plank, who wore the 46 jersey. Um, <clears throat> Jeff Fisher has been talking about it, who played under Ryan in Chicago. Dan Hampton. The, the, just everyone has been outpouring. But what's been amazing is whilst people have spoken about the man, mm. a huge number of them have been speaking about the quality of the defense what he brought to the game because he wasn't a liked man particularly buddy ryan uh you know mike ditka didn't like that he was carried off the field as well as mike ditka at the end of that super bowl 20 victory uh they famously had a rift between the two of them respected each other as coaches but essentially bill hallis forced uh, uh, forced Buddy Ryan onto Mike Ditka. Mike Ditka obviously not realising at the time that that would be the difference, the make or break difference between whether or not they would be Super Bowl champions. There was a brilliant thing on NFL.com where the Chicago Bears defensive team wrote a letter to uh, to um, uh, George Hallis. Sorry, I said his name wrong before. George Hallis, I didn't mean to say. Said, we are undersigned members of the Bears defensive football team are concerned about the future of our team. Recognise that the disappointing season the Bears have had this year, which I think was 79, um, there may be changes to the coaching staff and or administrating team. Our main concern is over the fate of Buddy Ryan and the other defensive coaches. We feel if there's to be a change to the coach staff, Buddy Ryan should be retained in order to avoid a setback for our defence. We feel we're a good defensive team and with their help we can be a great defensive team in the future so Hallis kept him around despite the fact they didn't want to go and this is a defense who featured people like uh, Leslie Frazier Ron Rivera Mike Singletary you know guys who've gone on to coach themselves Jeff Fisher we mm. already mentioned you know it's a phenomenal team a phenomenal defense and not just saying it because the fact is that it, because he's just died in the last few days but it's very, very difficult to not rank the 85 Bears as the number one all-time defence. Allowed NFL best 198 points, second fewest that season was 263. Led NFL in yards allowed, takeaways and rush TDs allowed. Only team in the NFL history to record two shutouts in a single postseason. That's all with Buddy Ryan as defensive coordinator. And do you know what's amazing about that Bears defense? Still sitting with Ryan's scheme and 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 with the with the same players is actually in '86 they were better. They they had yeah. they went uh, 14 and two in the regular season, but obviously never made it through. They lost in the uh, NFL uh, in the NFL in the NFC divisional round to uh, Washington 27-13. But actually, statistically, their defense was better that year, and you feel like. Yeah, you know, if he'd stuck around a lot longer, Bill Parcells has often talked about how it's the best defense he ever faced. Uh, just 
unbelievable team that they put together. Uh, Dan Hampton and Richard Dent at defensive line. The linebackers are Mike Singleton and Otis Wilson. Dave Dewison, of course, who sadly passed away himself, uh, suffering from CTE. But Gary Fennick, you know, just an absolutely unbelievable team. You look at what they did in the 44 to nil. I nearly said love then. I've been covering too much tennis. Win over the Cowboys. Uh, yeah, they had a great rushing attack with sweetness under mm. uh, centre, but just they blitzed. They hit guys. Are just uh, absolutely unbelievable. And that's it's a blueprint, isn't it? For many, many defences now that we see will take parts of that 85 defence and then use that as a blueprint of how to play the game uh, since and now and you know and we'll see parts of that this season teams that blitz teams that use the same kind of scheme and it's almost a sort of there's a legacy in that way uh from buddy ryan and that defense as well isn't it yeah and, and i think the thing is is that the the way that the defense lined up the 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 force the four six with the eight men in the box and with the one very deep free safety and the the corners playing out but on the line but out wide uh hence the six and the four um the the way that they the way that they sat in that lineup was very specific to that time and that era and falling defenses blitzing quarterbacks but also stopping running games when running was you know uh, more of the game than it is now Mm. obviously things have um obviously things have developed since then but it has it's still used as the basis for many defenses and actually the other one that's not been mentioned and we had people tweeting in and asking us about the uh about which of the defenses is is the best of all time is we talked about we've mentioned the 2000 Ravens we mentioned last year's Denver Broncos who I think are right up there and actually well Malik Jackson when I spoke to him in the locker room after the Super Bowl I put that question to him and he said yeah it's us we are the best defense that there's ever been I'm not sure whether you could I suppose with the changing in um, and the way that Receivers are far more protected. Quarterbacks are far more protected. To be more of a standout defense now is a little bit trickier. But you can't really argue with what what the Bears did in '85. Yeah, and you compare it with say the Tampa two defenses. The other one I was going to mention that ta- that unbelievable Tampa team. That's similar to the '46 in terms of the way that the players line up, and that's really the, the blueprint. And actually, I mean. I, the 85 defence, because of what their impact was on the game beyond it, we consider it the best defence of all time. Actually, and there's some you know, recency bias here, but I consider what the Broncos did last year in an era where yeah, the rules are much more leaning towards offensive football, when players are bigger, more physical, faster. Fitter. Actually, I think that Broncos defence is better than the 85 Bears defence in terms of just genuinely put them on the field, put them against each other, well, obviously not against each other, but literally stack them up, compare them player for player. I think they're a better team, but they're not having going to have the impact that the 85 Bears mm. had, which is why I think you put them at the top. Um, and then the 2000 Baltimore Ravens, I think, finish off the top three uh, with special mentions to, well, the recent Seahawks, sadly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Am I allowed to be bitter about that? <laughs> yeah, no, no. You <laughs> keep being bitter, mate. Yay! Um... Someone else had an interesting one. Uh, Lawrence Taylor, Harry Carson, uh, Carl Banks in the 86 Giants defence. That is an all-time great, but I think that had so much to do with Lawrence Taylor's individual talent. It's like if the, if 
the Texans came out next year and had an all-time great defence, you'd have to consider how much of that is to do with J.J. Watt and how much it is to do with the other players on the defence. I actually don't think they're ever going to do that Mm. because I look at how J.J. Watt lines up on the line and somehow we've gone into a completely different situation. But he always will line up where he thinks the weakest point is going to be of attack, which means other members of that defensive line and, and, and um, yeah, uh, front seven have to move around to fit him. And if they are not as flexible as he is in terms of they can attack from different positions, they can be weaker in other areas of the defence. I think that's their biggest problem, is they're almost too compensatory to J.J. Watt's talent. So you're saying also that J.J. Watt is not a team player and is a little selfish? I'm not saying that. I mean, it seems like you're saying that. I'm saying that a little bit, but I think it's, I don't think it's as much to do with him. I think it's to do with scheme as much as it is anything else. I think they know what they've got in JJ Watt, and so they let him do what he wants to do, and that can sometimes be to the detriment of the team. What about the 76 Steelers? Steel Curtain. That- Steel Curtain, 28 points allowed in the last nine games of the regular season. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. I mean, that, that is ridiculous. Their winning, their opponents had a winning percentage of point five two eight. So those, they those were Americas, playing a really difficult teams. Those America's games around that era are some of the very best. And somebody actually tweeted us the other day asking us about whether or not we basically fancy doing uh, something. We've got the um, the Cardinals. Uh, documentary comes out on Amazon Prime on Friday uh, which if you've not seen a huge amount about this I forget what it's called now so Ollie can look this up for me while I uh, while I filibuster but it's following the Cardinals through the entire of the 2015 season in a hard knock style now admittedly they managed to pick a brilliant year a brilliant team because of what the Cardinals achieved last year the highs the lows everything else all or nothing all or nothing brilliant a season with Um, the Arizona Cardinals so that debuts on Friday and someone was asking us whether we could name our top five America's games etc so maybe that's something we could consider continuing to do during the off season Mm. so we have managed to line up an absolutely top level interview for the show today in a moment we're going to be hearing from legendary coach Dick Vermeil, who not only covered Buddy Ryan during his time as head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles whilst Dick Vermeil was working there for the media but also went up against him a number of times in his career from a coaching perspective so we'll hear from Dick Vermeil in a moment but a couple of years ago when the Minnesota Vikings were coming over to play in London I had the joy of speaking Speaking with Les Frazier at the time, the head coach there, previously a uh, defensive back in that brilliant 85 defence, one of the all-time greats. And whilst this isn't specifically about Buddy Ryan, I really enjoyed getting his thoughts on that incredible team. So here is former Bear Les Frazier on the 85 Bears defence. Well, the fans have always uh, been good to me when I've gone back. I mean, there are still so many uh, people that I'm familiar with in the organisation and and you're right, that team is a beloved team in Chicago. People still treat the players that play on that team almost as if they're, they're still playing. It's amazing. But uh, it's been good. Now, we haven't always had success on the field, so that's kind of daffered uh, the reception. But uh, the people have always been kind when, when I've gone back. And, and looking back on that team and, and that time, because it has really gained a, a, a I used the word mythical and I'll use it again because the status of that team is so held aloft and the quality of that defence which you were part of you know, was, was that team as special as certainly the younger people who listen to this show uh, here it is oh without question uh, you know, it was a, a different era in the game of football but to be able to dominate on defence the way we did and virtually win games on defence 
you don't see that as much in today's uh, NFL uh, with the new rules and how wide open things are in the passing game. Uh, so it was a special time. You know, we had a lot of characters on our team, and you probably remember some of them when we did come over as a team to London. And uh, it was a great experience for our team to come there and for us to win a championship the way we did in such a dominant fashion. Um, it was a fun team to be a part of, and you know, I was very, very fortunate. And I have to ask you now, Leslie, I don't know how familiar you are with uh, British equivalent of football, but we have a great tradition of um, uh, the FA Cup final is probably not quite the Super Bowl, the kind of equivalent single one-off event. And uh, and certainly a big tradition around that is having FA Cup songs and having the teams do that. You were a member of the Super Bowl shuffle. What what brought that about? And uh, and you know, what are your memories of that? <laughs> Well, that Super Bowl shuffle, uh, there's a lot of history that goes into that. <laughs> I mean, we, 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 we lost the game to the Miami Dolphins, the only game that we lost that season on Monday Night Football. And then the next day, there we are taping the uh, Super Bowl shuffle. And at the time, you know, it seemed kind of braggadocious that we would be declaring ourselves Super Bowl champions after, what, 12 <laughs> or 13 games in the, in the season. Uh, but it turned out to be prophetic. Uh, but it's it's amazing to me that after all these years, there's still people that will you know know that Super Bowl shuffle, that look at it uh, on YouTube, and 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 will sometimes point out uh, you know myself and other players that were in that video. So. Uh, it's amazing the impact that it had then and that it, that it still has. The thoughts there of Leslie Fraser, brilliant stuff. Now, coming up, we speak with Coach Dick Vermeil. It should be pointed out that during today's episode, Andrew Luck signed his super mega new deal, $140 million over six years, 75, guaranteed, 75 over the first three, $60 million guaranteed. So whilst we react to that live in the show a little bit later on, I did ask Dick Vermeil about it here, just to address the fact that it's going to be slightly weird chronologically. Anyway, here he is. So, delighted to be joined by an absolute favourite on the show. You'll have heard him a couple of times with us before. We wish they were under kind of not nicer circumstances than the ones we're going to be discussing today, but it is always a pleasure to speak with uh, Coach Dick Vermeil. Uh, Coach, how are you this morning? I'm doing fine, thank you. How's everything over there? Hey, it's uh, grey as per usual for the British summertime. I know you're aware of that, but uh, yeah. otherwise, you know, we're all getting on and enjoying uh, our summer of sports. But uh, obviously, as I mentioned, uh, the reason we, we wanted to speak to you today is uh, the sad passing of Buddy Ryan this week, who, a man you know from both your time coaching, but also your time covering the Eagles when not long after you were the head coach there, uh, he was. And, and I just really want to get your thoughts, first of all, on, your memories really of, of Buddy Ryan the man rather than the coach well you know he was a unique personality a, a very free speech type guys whatever came to his mind through his heart he, he 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 spoke it clearly so everyone could understand if they didn't like it he laughed if if they liked it he laughed you know he was just <laughs> one of those unique personalities and a, a sort of a bold aggressive defensive coordinator but it was a reflection of his personality you know he he laughed easy, he got mad easily, and he calmed down easily, and he uh, was generally an outspoken type guy, you know, and uh, it took you a little while to get to know him, because uh, at first you thought it was, you know, he was so different that he wasn't sincere, but the longer you knew him, the more you realized this is what he is, and you begin to really appreciate him for what he was, yeah. 
I mean, when you did face him in those early days when he was just starting out in Chicago in particular, I know obviously he had his time in Minnesota with the Purple People Eaters and what a wonderful team that was. But when you saw him there from kind of the late 70s, early 80s, I know you faced him a couple of times. Was there any indication at that point that he was going to turn this team into that wonderful defense it was by the mid-80s? Well, you know, he he did so many things that were on different, almost on the edge of being considered not real sound, but so high risk that it could explode in your face type of thing. But uh, uh, he got away with it, you know, and then people started copying it because they had a hard time handling the problems he created. And uh, he forced you, when you played against him, to do things you hadn't done through the regular season. So... You normally didn't execute them too well because you hadn't been doing them all year because you never saw that kind of defense all year. But gradually, some of his defensive concepts creeped into the league, so you started seeing them a little bit each week from other teams copying him, and it made it a little better when you played his own team that you were a little better prepared because some other teams were doing it, and you had to be prepared, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. And, and I mean, you, as I mentioned, you managed to beat him a couple of times in, in your coaching career. But when you see the fact that you mentioned that he wasn't necessarily the easiest and most accessible person early on, and we know that him and Mike Ditka didn't have the easiest of relationships. But when you hear about that defensive room going and banging down George Hallis's door and sending them the letter and saying, this is the guy we want, this is the guy we need. Are you surprised by that? Or do you think he had that uh, one thing he did brilliantly was kind of bring that room together in that us versus them mentality almost. Well, you know, he, he was a great communicator and the kids who were in those rooms behind closed doors connected with him. And I think they felt if given more responsibility, he could connect with the whole team. And uh, this is a guy we want because we believe in him. And I think everybody in the organization, if given the opportunity to be exposed to Buddy Ryan, they will all buy into his his methods, his his approach and process, and uh, you know obviously it worked out for him. And some people might say he was slightly disloyal uh, to his head coach or something like that. But I think even Mike Ditka in later years, they both sort of uh, shook hands and said, "Hey, thank you to each other." Hey, to be fair, if it wasn't for that defense, they may have never been Super Bowl champions. So, oh, they wouldn't have been. No, no way. And when people talk about the defense, uh, the conversation that's obviously stirred up again, and it kind of happened with the Broncos and with that Super Bowl win this year as well, was about the greatest defense of all time. A lot of people want to hang that on the 85 Bears and on that 46 defense. Just for someone from a coaching perspective, watching that from the outside, what was the long-term impact of that defense? Why do you think it was so successful? And, And why do you think people talk about it in those lauded terms? Well, first off, it was totally different from what people are used to seeing. Secondly, the talented players within the scheme. You know, here in Philadelphia, he had two Hall of Fame caliber players in Jerome Brown and Reggie White. Those two guys, they were as good as there were, ever was at those two positions, defensive tackle and defensive end. So that made the defensive scheme even uh, better than it was from a scheme standpoint. You know, But it being so different and, and so reckless and willing to take chances if you caught him, you'd score. If you didn't, he'd throw you for a 10-yard loss type approach. Uh, it just be- became a dominant defense. But number one, because of its 
its difference, and number two, because of the talent within the scheme. Uh, we, we, I remember speaking with Wade Phillips. He was over here for the Super Bowl a couple of years ago uh, doing some stuff with Sky here, and him saying that he's disappointed nowadays you don't see more defences, throwing caution to the wind a bit, getting a bit reckless, getting after the quarterback more. Obviously, we saw him then go and do that with Denver. Do you think we're maybe seeing potentially a trend back towards what Buddy Ryan did again in this, in this era? I don't think so. I don't think so. The offenses today are so wide open and so explosive, and that the receivers are so talented at not just one position, but all three uh, and four positions. They're all so talented that it's just too risky. You know, uh, you now if, if in a specific game, if you're behind, uh, you might as well take some real risk and, and gamble. But uh, to start out, uh, you normally start out with a little more sound approach. And finally, just on Buddy Ryan, there's a couple of other things I want to get your quick thoughts on. But from your time working with him in, in your media role and from your experiences of him, is there anything that stands out to you? Is there a particular memory that when you heard about his passing that came back to you and, and really you thought of that moment fondly or, or, or that memory of him fondly and thought that's the man I remember? Well, I remember when he came to Philadelphia. You know, I had coached here years before that. And in his very first first press conference, he announced that they would be in the playoffs next year. Now, he was taking over a losing team. And they weren't in the playoffs the next year. But he was bold enough to come right out and say, hey, we might even go undefeated. We're going to be in the playoffs next year, you know. And everyone sort of laughed at him because he was so bold in those statements. But And they didn't make the playoffs the next year. But after that, he made the playoffs three years in a row. Now, he didn't win a playoff game. But that was him, you know. And I just sort of always appreciated his honesty in what he thought and what he said. You know, it was the same. <laughs> Excellent. And I mean, he obviously Rex has, uh, if nothing else, Rex and Rob have uh, have uh, inherited that particular scene. So I think that's the first thing he said getting into Buffalo. Maybe even said we're going to the Super Bowl. But uh, <laughs> obviously he picked up plenty from his dad then. Um, just to get your thoughts as well, whilst whilst I've got you on the line, Coach, because uh, we are doing a special on the LA Rams coming up soon. They are uh, They're travelling over to... Uh, London in the not-too-distant future, a couple of their players coming over next month. And I just want to know, as a man who coached them to such great success with that greatest show on turf in in St. Louis, what were your thoughts when you first heard that they were going to be moving back to the city of L.A.? And and was it a disappointment for you for the city, or were you pleased to see them getting the opportunity to grow as a team? How were you feeling? Well, I was disappointed for St. Louis, you know, because this is the second team they've lost. Okay, and I appreciate... St. Louis, the fans, and everything they allowed us to do there. But I understand, and I'm happy for Los Angeles, because Los Angeles was the organization, the city that lost the Rams to St. Louis. So it, it went the full circle. So I'm sad for one, happy for the other. And you know, I know from a business standpoint, it's it's a great business deal for the Rams and the ownership. It's disappointing for the St. Louis Ram fans, and, and they're they're great fans. And if you give them a good product, they're going to support them. You know, and they proved that when we started winning there. So you know, it's uh, it, it's 
it's not a win-win. <laughs> it's not a win-win situation. That's all there is to it. But do, do they need to do the same in LA then? Because you did bring that great product to St. Louis. They did fill out that stadium. It wasn't so great in recent years. Do they need to get back to winning ways to be successful in LA? I think so. When they weren't successful, they they were forced to leave because they couldn't pay their bills. They were not doing well. They were not selling a lot of tickets. They left the L.A. Coliseum, went out to Anaheim Stadium, and then from Anaheim they went to St. Louis. So I, I think wherever you go in today's market, even that market in Los Angeles, regardless of how many people are out there, it's a fickle market. You better give them a good product. And very finally, Coach Ramil, just because it's the big, big story in the NFL in the last 24 hours, other than the passing of Coach Ryan, and that is, uh, that's Andrew Luck, $140 million over six years, 75 over the first three, 60 guaranteed, blows anything else out of the water a quarterback has, has earned previously. When you saw those numbers, did you think to yourself, absolutely, 12 deserves it? And do you think he's going to go on and prove that that contract was the right move? Well, I think it's the right move. If you're going to give anybody that kind of money, you might as well give it to a, a player of his stability, emotional stability, personality. I mean, he's a really a solid human being, and uh, he won't uh, flaunt it. He won't uh, waste it. He won't uh, allow it to negatively influence his attitude and approach to the game. I think he'll remain what he is, a humble, great player. Do you, do you think coming from that legacy we just mentioned, obviously Rex and Rob coming from Buddy, do you think coming from such a, a great legacy himself, Oliver being successful and then coming into an organisation who had Peyton Manning for so long, that's all built towards that and he is just, it's almost as if he, if he doesn't succeed, you'd be stunned at this point. Yeah, I'll be shocked if he doesn't succeed. But, you know, it takes more than him. The organisation's got to surround him with the people allowing him to be what he has the ability to be. No doubt, no doubt whatsoever. Look, Coach Ramil, always a pleasure speaking with you. Hopefully, if you make it out to uh, Houston this year, we'll get to catch up in person. But uh, always a pleasure and uh, continue to enjoy the wine, Pennsylvania. And if you get back over here, a little bit of the West Midlands as well. Okay, well, make sure you get your problem solved over there. Get to get this Euro thing straightened out, will you? Uh, we t- we're trying. Trust me, we're okay. very much trying. <laughs> Thanks, Take Coach. Care. Appreciate All it. Right. So thoughts of Coach Dick Vermeil. As I say there, we will address the Andrew Luck stuff a little bit later in the show, at least briefly. We are sitting down with Luck in a couple of weeks' time, so we look forward to that. But in the meantime, Ollie, shall we move on and chat about the... Uh, the rest of the NFL? Yeah, let's do it. Fantastic. Actually, in similar news, uh, Mike Singletary is to serve as the Rams' defensive assistant. He's returning to the NFL. Obviously, he spent time in the NFC West with the San Francisco 49ers from 2008 to 2010, uh, 18 and 22 record. He was not successful, although they did draft a number of the players who sent them to two Super Bowls during that period of time. That was probably their best few years of drafting in the modern era. Um, but yeah, for Singletary, I, it's great that he's got another shot. He's an interesting guy, Mike Singletary. He is fierce and quite intimidating. But actually, when you speak to him, much like Leslie Fraser, can be quite softly spoken as well. And quite, what went wrong with him uh, for him in San Francisco? Why didn't it work out? I mean, eighteen and twenty-two record, fired before the last game of the season in twenty ten. I, I, I don't think he left there with too many friends either. So. Is it that abrasive, aggressive style that that just didn't sit well for a team that come from a pretty relaxed and chilled out city? That had a huge amount to do with it. And 
a, a lot of it is not necessarily the shield out city bit but if you look at the way they performed during that period of time not only was that 2010 season one of the very worst but they started with an 0-5 record their worst start to a season since the, the 70s they had uh, their first home shutout since the 70s when they lost 21 to nothing against the Buccaneers you know it was a fact of whilst over the three years his record wasn't absolutely dreadful there are expectations in San Francisco much like there are in cities like Pittsburgh in cities like Green Bay where if somebody comes in and has that sort of stretch over three years actually you know if the Titans went 18 and 22 over three years considering where they've been over the last 10 years they would consider that progress mm. say if by the end of two years time they're 18 and 22 great no problem um so it, it's more about where he was coaching rather than who he was coaching with uh, we should also talk about the nfl uk fan nights coming up well, no, no, I, I wanted to ask you <laughs> i wanted to ask you about uh, the rams and their defense and what he can bring to that defense i mean that's pretty fierce. It's what was really great about their time in St. Louis was how they built up Robert Quinn, you know, et al. What can he bring to them? And is it just, is it going to make them even more fierce he's, and, he's, and more combative? He's incredibly lucky to have in Aaron Donald, maybe the second best defensive lineman in the league behind JJ Watt. Aaron Dar- Donald, who we spoke to on Radio Row. Friend of the show. Friend, he is actually <laughs> a friend of the show. He really is. Um, it's not that their strength lies very much in their front four. I'm interested to see how uh, William Hayes uh, fits in there uh, at defensive end. But they've brought in, of course, Dominic Easley as well. They've got Michael Brockers, Aaron Donald, Robert Quinn, who are all phenomenal. Quinton Copels is mm. there now as well. Um, sitting behind them, Akeem Ayers is an interesting player because of his time he wasn't great at the Titans, came in at New England, did a brilliant job for those eight or nine games. How much of that was scheme? How much of that was Belichick? We don't know. And he didn't have a great year last year. And similarly, in Ogletree and Mark Barron, Barron drafted very high by the Bucks a few years ago, never really managed to do anything too impressive. They obviously lost uh, a cornerback in this offseason. They had to pick just between uh, Tremaine Johnson and the fellow who's headed to the New York Giants, who's really mouthy, whose name has completely escaped me. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, me too. <laughs> really brilliant stuff excellent janoris jenkins that's him uh, well done mate uh, i'll filibuster till i get it um Truman johnson's there you know so they've got they've got talent there's potential for it to be a great yeah. great defense um i concerned it'll take a step back overall and we have seen that you don't necessarily need a great quarterback to be backed up by a great defense to do well sorry i i, I should rephrase that <laughs> please do uh, you, okay, so the Broncos did have a great quarterback in Peyton Manning, but he wasn't great last season. So you don't necessarily, necessarily need someone there to do that, but you don't want someone like Case Keenum under centre. And that is, again, we'll, we'll probably, closer to the to the start of the season, see what's going to happen with Jared Goff, Case Keenum, Sean Manning, and what's going to happen with the LA Rams and and all of that. And actually, that brings us on to... Our next bit of uh, news, rather nicely. Yeah, if you've, you, I'm sure that most people who listen to this will have seen the missives from NFL UK. But uh, yeah, fan night coming up in July. Two events have been announced. Um, the first of all is the Andrew Luck fan night. This has become now an annual return. Uh, he'll be here in just a little over a week and a half's time, Monday the 11th of July. Will he have the beard? 
Uh, I'd, no, because he only grows the beard during the season. Is it just a season thing. beard? Yeah, I thought he like started growing it through the year and then shaved it off in the summer. Whenever we've interviewed him, which has been every summer for the last three now, we've had to sit down and chat with him in some form. Yeah. Uh, he's always been reasonably clean shaven. Okay, okay. Uh, so we... we at the moment we're working on it we're hoping to have a sit down just one on one with Andrew Luck we're trying to set that up for both TalkSport 2 and for Gridiron Magazine so we're doing our best to set that up Uh, that's on the 11th of July you can go online and apply for that now at nfluk.com and then with the six teams coming over this year there's an unbelievable lineup for the following evening on Tuesday July the 12th just listen to this right Okay, okay not only is this event hosted by Maurice Jones-Drew and Ike Taylor from NFL Network, both of whom we will do our best to speak with. They're, they're here, yeah? Yeah, apparently so. Okay. Apparently so. Yeah. Amongst the eight NFL players to attend at the event will be Victor Cruz of the New York Giants, Dwayne Allen of the Indianapolis Colts. Big fan of Dwayne. Denard Robinson of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Lance Kendricks yeah. of the Los Angeles Rams, Domato Peco of the Cincinnati Bengals, and Carlos Dunlap, also of that brilliant Ooh. Cincinnati Bengals defense. And from Washington, friend of the show, D'Angelo Hall, and defensive lineman Chris Baker. So eight players, plus two former players, and we're going to do our very best to sit down and speak with as many of them as possible. Now, it looks like I'll have to be pre-recording the uh, <laughs> all-ass. <laughs> yeah, yes, you will. Or, see if they can come in studio and do it live at the end of the live event nathaniel uh, coombs <laughs> actually yeah that's a great reason to pre-record it try yeah you've got to go and try and get yeah. interviews with yeah, them yeah, for yeah, the all ass right. as well as for gridiron so all of that coming up go and apply through nfluk.com and we'll be doing our best to speak with as many of those players as possible over the next couple of weeks oh that's gonna be really fun i'm looking forward to it where is it uh, I've just gone off the page. Ollie. Oh, come on, man! <laughs> come on, guy! Come on, guy! Uh, I in jokes on podcasts that aren't an in joke from the podcast. I don't think really work. No, they don't. I don't know. If you like us going, come on, guy, and don't understand why, then you feel free to keep feeling that way. Yeah, uh, hit us up on Twitter if you want to find out why we say <laughs> "Come on, guy" at Gridiron. Uh, so those two <laughs> events come on, are going to be uh, at King's Place. Uh, in 90 York Way so it's N1 so it's central north central London mm-hmm. uh, similarly both events in the same place at King's Place very easy to get to right by the Regent's Canal uh, so yeah it's uh, King's Cross isn't it yeah it's basically King, uh, it's basically at King's Cross just yeah. up York Way so yeah nice and easy to get to if you're from outside of London as well go and apply for tickets it's the York Line it's uh, one hour from Grantham King's Cross so you know if you live in Grantham you could be there in an hour which is as, which is as quick as it'll take me to get there if not slightly quicker than I'll get there isn't from South ama- London isn't that amazing how things are good old Grantham yeah um, right uh, we've got a few more texts and tweet texts and tweets just tweets uh, you can text us as well Ollie's number is uh, 07 <laughs> I actually, if I knew your number off by heart how ridiculous would that so be weird. I don't know yours I know my wife's number off by heart I know my dad's and I know my old home number I think that's it I only know my number off by heart and my mum's oh, old no, no, number mine. yeah I'm not not very many maybe I remember Steve Davis's not the snooker player my best man who's a dad now no yeah oh wow Gave birth to, well, didn't give birth to, his wife gave birth to, Martha Florence Davis. Really strong two names there, aren't they? Yeah, they've, they've doubled up. They've done time. really well with that. I just fear for the next child and their names. Yeah. Because well, they've gone big with the first one. Martha is in Martha, my dear, 
the uh, Beatles yeah, song. I know about Martha. Uh, uh, all right, mate. I mean, who else would it be about? And um, Florence is in the city in not, which... Not the machine. They got... You need to calm down. That would you? be awful. No, not as in the machine. Florence is in the city they got engaged in. Oh, lovely. Isn't it? Yeah, the next child, if they have a next child, is screwed. They're never going to come up with a name as good as that. They should have gone with Martha for this one. Well, it's Florence. For it's the a good one. job they didn't uh, call it after where she was conceived. Slough. <laughs> <laughs> Martha Slough Davis. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> oh God, that water really went down the wrong way. <laughs> <Woo>! All right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get this show back on the road. Football. Doug Baldwin. Signed a four-year extension with the Seattle Seahawks, uh, $46 million, only $6 million more than, uh, than Alan Hearns over four years. Uh, more in guarantees, though, $24.25 million in guarantees, averages out to a hefty $11.5 million a year, uh, which is huge compared with the three-year $13 million contract he signed in 2014. A formerly undrafted player led the NFL last season with 14 touchdowns, but the fact is, is that that all came in that ridiculous end-of-season mm. stretch. Where they were chasing games chasing wins and and they were because they moved around their offensive line they changed the center they had lost jimmy graham lost, who was yeah. less of a of a target as luke wilson wasn't is not jimmy graham but actually came in with a few touchdowns himself and they were still they still had uncertainty at running back so they moved to that offense where we had the deep dropping russell wilson uh, forced to do these kind of five, even seven-step drops and throw and get the ball out of his hands to receivers on routes, which is not what he generally does. The thing about Russell Wilson, which I think is overrated slightly, and I'm going to get stick for this, I'm sure, but people talk about the quality of his completion percentage. The issue for me is the number of times he should throw the ball where there's an opportunity in a window mm. and he takes it down and runs with it. And actually, yes, okay, the play ends up in positive yardage, but nowhere near the positive yardage he could have had. And that's what he improved on massively in the second half of last season, was his reading of the field. Now, is that going to continue next year with Jimmy Graham back in? Are they going to try to revert to the system they were playing in the first eight games of the season? What's it going to be like with the new running back? This just feels like a big contract for a guy with just half a season's top-level production. Yeah, I, I, I can't disagree with you there. I mean, they lost Ricardo Lockett, didn't they, who... who retired um oh after that horrible hit against that, the cowboys yeah, oh uh, yeah so otherwise it's tyler lockett jermaine curse uh, some bloke called paul richardson don't remember him and <laughs> a, f- a few guys that they've picked <laughs> speedy, up speedy rookie yeah yeah uh, so you know i can see why they've done it in, in this day and age to get a receiver that you trust obviously russell wilson trusts him you've got to pay him my what picking up on what you said about Russell Wilson is okay. He did revert to that more dropping back, throwing from out of the pocket or just beyond it. If he reverts back, how long will it be before we see him seriously injured, a la um, Andrew Luck? Say Andrew Luck was injured because his O line wasn't good enough and he kept getting hit. Russell Wilson, with it, all of his scrambling, will keep getting hit. They've done the thing is they've done a brilliant job of keeping the guys in town who they want to keep in town. And actually, you look now and there are very few players uh, who are on any kind of long term deal whose deal is up 
next season. I mean, Stephen Hauschka, you probably wouldn't count. Luke Wilson, you know, none of the really big names. Chris Clemens, but he's 34 now. Mm. You know, actually, there. Brandon Browner, but he's just been re-signed on that short-term deal. Deshaun Shedd could potentially be uh, an impact player this year. Kristen, there's nobody who you're looking at in this list and going, they're in real trouble. But well, maybe we've been saying it over and over. I think that they have pushed right up against the cap now, and when they start needing to sign new people beyond this, they might struggle. So you're saying it's pretty much they're going all out now to try and to win, win a to second, win the Super Bowl, third um, Super Bowls. And then Sayonara, Mike Carroll, go back to college, whatever. Jimmy Garoppolo has said, no, sorry. Uh, Danny Amendola has said that Jimmy Garoppolo has been great this off-season so far. Didn't they say that last off-season? Oh, they say it every off-season. I mean, we don't know anything about Garoppolo. And you know the amazing thing... I know he's a very good-looking man. The amazing thing will be, he'll play, he may play these two or four or however many games it is. And then he'll be picked up by, I don't know, some team like uh, the Raiders. No, someone someone like the Jets next year on a $37 million contract <laughs> because <laughs> because the Pats wouldn't pay him. You know, it'll be another Brock Osweiler kind of situation. We don't know how he's going to play. We don't know if he's going to be a great NFL quarterback. Okay, he's learnt behind Tom Brady for three or four years. We don't know how that's going to be. It worked with Aaron Rodgers behind Brett Favre. Is it the same situation? We don't know. Uh, Eugene Monroe has said he's waiting for the perfect opportunity to come along and will not be try- taking the first chance he gets. Obviously, formerly of the Jacksonville Jaguars, was traded to the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens tried to trade him this offseason, having improved the offensive line both through free agency and the draft. Uh He's a decent level left tackle. He at one point looked like he'd be an all-pro level left tackle and has never quite reached that same tier. Um, There are certainly a few potential landing spots who could still need him. The New York Giants have been mentioned left, right and centre. I mean, Jerry Reese has spent $200 million on just a few players this off-season. So Monroe might be the sort of cheap guy they can get in. Uh, Eric Flowers struggled last year, could move over to right tackle. Um, they looked at adding Russell Okung before he went to Denver, so that's a good option. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are another possibility. A serious inconsistency at left tackle. They had a rookie there last year in Donathan Smith. I think a lot of teams will be looking at this kind of interestingly and waiting probably to the last moment or until someone else comes in. Uh, to to make a move, offensive line we saw and I saw especially with Green Bay players get hit on that offensive line and go down with injuries all the time, and you need someone with experience with the nous to come in and and, and do a job. Munro could be that guy to plug and play on various positions across that line, and I, I wouldn't expect him not to be playing. You know, first. First week of the season. Yeah, but I, there are teams. Chicago Bears would probably start him from week one. They had Charles Leno Jr. starting last year. Uh, didn't only allow at, at something like four sacks on Jay Cutler, but struggled in the passing game in general. They'd signed Bobby Massey to a three-year deal earlier this offseason, but there's potential there. The Seahawks, they um, obviously lost Russell Okung in this offseason, brought some guys in, particularly in the draft, but there's potential for him to start there. And the Chargers, they chose to pass on uh, an offensive lineman at number three overall and went out and uh, and mm. got the uh, Joey Bosa, the big defensive end. So there's there are spots where he could be used, but... 
compared with, say, three years ago, if a premier Pro Bowl-style left tackle was available on the market, he'd be having money thrown at him. Yeah. Now, he's having to wait for the right opportunity. Well, and I think that it shows we've seen that the money nowadays, it always will be going to... Um, you know the quarterbacks and whatever and whatnot, but we're seeing a lot of money and in, in especially free agency going to those linebackers, uh, corners. You know positions where money wasn't necessarily thrown about as much. Um, sticking with the Ravens, uh, Mike Wallace has been speaking in the last uh, day or so, saying he thinks he's been he's better now than he was when he left the Steelers in 2013. Uh, a veteran wideout, obviously looking to bring a downfield element to the Ravens game, something they've lacked really since Tory Smith left after the Super Bowl. Joe Flacco, his one big go-to play is a big hurling ball downfield. He does so, like a big hurling ball. <laughs> if Mike Wallace is going to succeed <laughs> anywhere, that's likely to be the place. They chose to spend their free agency money, their limited cap space, on uh, Eric Weddle, who I think is a great signing, yeah. really improves their defence. But, uh, yeah, uh, you know, pinch of salt. But I think we said it before already this off-season. If Mike Wallace is going to succeed somewhere, that's where it would be likely to be. Do you think all this chat is just... Is bluster. I mean, we're hearing an awful it's lot. Season, we're hearing an bluster. awful lot from Mike Wallace. I mean, I don't need to hear. I would be happy if I don't hear from Mike Wallace ever again in my life. So there are other people you don't want to hear from because while we're on the wide receivers, formerly of the Vikings or currently of the Vikings, Ben Corderell Patterson has described this as a make or break year. Of course, it's Corderell. It's the end of your rookie deal. If you don't do well <laughs> this year, you're, you're out um, the door probably I mean, in Minnesota. It, it literally is make or break and Laquan Treadwell's come in uh, who's basically Anquan Bolden 2.0 and is going to take you to pieces so unlucky buddy uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars can't have nice things why not their defence looked like it was hugely improved this off season lovely yeah and they start getting a couple of injuries and now Dan Scooter ends up has been arrested and charged with a first degree misdemeanor battery on June the 19th now at this point it's very early stages we uh, he's been let off but we don't know how the league will respond to this um yeah he's released on a $500 bond so it can't have been a huge amount of an issue pushed a woman's face apparently but the fact is is it's violence against a woman whilst drunk even if he doesn't do time or anything like mm. that, the NFL now know that they need to crack down on this stuff. They finally learnt that anything like this means they need to uh, they need to crack down. No, it's just silly behaviour. I mean, it, it, and it's so, it's so off season, isn't it? Yeah, it's such an off season piece piece of behaviour to to do. Yeah, uh, silly boy. Only a few first-round picks yet to lock up their rookie deals. Joshua Garnett of the 49ers, uh, Darren Lee of the New York Jets, and Joey Bosa amongst them. But Will Fuller has agreed his four-year deal with the Texans, $10.2 million. Pretty big for a number 21 overall pick, but... uh, yeah, I'm excited about that Texans offense this year. They've got a lot of weapons. Finally, Will Fuller, they've got somebody to play opposite DeAndre Hopkins. They've got Lamar Miller in the backfield now. I tell the you big what, man. question is, is Brock Osweiler. Is how will Brock Osweiler do? I think the jury's massively still out on him. We don't know what he's like. We don't know. I mean, he was playing behind, well, in a defense, uh, in an offense, sorry, last season that was tailored to minimalize how much we see of him <laughs> so we don't know what he's going to be like a season or an off season with bill o'brien who 
traditionally it's very good with quarterbacks. We saw what he did with Christian Hackenberg um, in in that year first one, in yeah. year one of of Penn State. He leaves Penn State. Hackenberg goes to the proverbial, you know. So we'll see what he's like with Brock Osweiler. I think that is the only saving grace that I can see that means that Brock could be a success straight off the bat. The Texans are really exciting in that respect. Jadavian Clowney has said that he wants to be far more competitive and far more involved with the Texans after two pretty much injury-hit seasons. So I'm looking forward to seeing what the Texans do on both sides of the ball. Uh, And the final thing uh, from the news, Calvin Johnson will be staying retired. Thankfully, after all this nonsense with Marshall Lynch, we've got going on as well. Uh, He was interviewed by the Detroit Free Press, said, no, I'm not coming back. You ain't got to worry about that. My decision, I made my own decision. I'm good with it. Finished his career with 11,619 yards, 83 touchdowns. But at 30, he probably still had more to give. We could have seen a Randy Moss-esque Late season, late career renaissance. Could have gone somewhere. Well, in fact, he could have done exactly what Randy Moss mm. done. Gone somewhere like New England and had that opportunity to flourish and go for a Super Bowl title. But it's becoming more and more regular in the NFL now that guys are saying, I've earned my big money. You know, he's being paid $17 million a year as a wide receiver. I've earned my big money. I've got my nest egg. I'm thinking about my health. Now, I think this is a, a, a hidden issue with some of the bigger I, players. I love the way you said issue. Yeah, I, well, I, I wanted to say it because I'm about to say something pretty serious. So with some players, especially some of the very big players that have have come that have recently retired from the game who don't necessarily uh, want to upset the apple cart or or bite the the hand that has fed them for the last and Calvin Johnson's case 7 8 9 years. Do you think he's worried about the effects of his long-term health concussion-wise, um, dementia-wise, repetitive uh, strikes on the head? And CTE is such a huge concern for the NFL now. And especially with... Um, we, we noticed this when we went to the Super Bowl and we will be doing uh, a concussion concussion special. We notice this that it's far more in the public eye now, and and in in the right in front of the NFL's nose, right underneath that helmet, we've got people that have been affected by repetitive hits on the and head. And the fact is, you've got guys like Chris Borland who, from the 49ers who retired after one season. Well, he retired after one season. He was very outspoken about it, but that's just one season. He's got other opportunities to go off and do other stuff. Calvin Johnson perhaps may want to make a living from football being a pundit i don't know i don't know i don't know but i'm i'm i've got a feeling that he's he's not really talking about why specifically he wants to retire because i think there's some other worry some other issue and he doesn't want to upset the apple cart Do you know what? he strikes me as the sort of guy much like actually barry sanders who's another prime example from the lions who also retired very young i don't think he's going to go and do media and i don't think he's necessarily going to go do coaching i kind of think he's just going to go and live his life he's quite a shy guy mm. quite retiring quite kind of softly spoken and modest about his own ability I, I don't think we're going to see a huge amount of calvin johnson beyond this point which is a shame because obviously he's a brilliant talent but uh yeah and, and i do promise somebody did ask us about this there will be the concussion special coming out later in the off season i'm going to go on holiday at the end of july and then when i get back we will do the concussion special and then we'll start the season or should we do it before we go away 
try and do it before we go away. I'm here a lot over the next few weeks. So are you here a lot? Let's see how we're going to do it. I'm I, here. I'm a lot. doing like six, seven days a week, some days over the next few weeks. So wow. let's try put something together. Let's put something together. Let's see what we can do. Uh, hey, let's do something. Let's quickly go back to the Twitter questions before we wrap this show up. A few of your more fun ones. Uh, uh, Tom Marshall asks, "Who is the American football equivalent of Roy Hodgson?" Hashtag clueless. Joe Philbin or Rob Ryan, maybe. Ooh, I think Philbin's a good one. Oh, but Philbin was a nice guy. Yeah. Which might make him exactly like Roy. What I loved about Roy was that we wanted some fire and brimstone out of him for ages. And we only got it when he'd quit. And we got it 24 hours after he quits. He comes out and he goes, oh, it starts getting all surly. I'm like, where was this before? Yeah, where was on, this Roy. at halftime of the Iceland game? Where were you when you needed to be kicking over chairs and screaming at people's faces and throwing cups of tea around? That's what we needed from him, some real oomph, and to not bring Jack Wiltshire on in every game, despite the fact he was clearly unfit and isn't a difference maker. Yeah. yeah. But that's just, you know. So, yeah, Joe Philbin may be an answer. Um, I'm slightly concerned it's Mike Malarkey for poor Titans fans. It could be. (laughs) It really could be. Oh, that's a great shout. <laughs> it might be Mike Singletary. Uh, we <laughs> felt yeah, a little bit like that. I'm not sure it's Singletary. Uh, Tom Knight, I said to send us your questions, thoughts or demands. He said, I demand my favourite pod does more shows. Don't know who he's talking about. So um, well, let us know yeah. who that is and, yeah, we'll, uh, yeah. and we'll put in the request. Uh, also, what's the NFL equivalent of Harry Kane taking set pieces? I don't know, I guess like a quarterback punting? I mean, yeah. Or a trick play where you're giving it to somebody to throw who's terrible. Who can't throw. Who can't throw. It'd be like you. (laughs) (laughs) Me under centre and then passing it to you to chuck it to me who's going up against a giant. Yeah. It would Uh, be like that. It's going to be terrible. All round, that's going to be dreadful. Um, And then Will Davis says, can we please have some large servings of Andrew Luck hot takes? No, you can't, because we'll give you some large servings of Andrew Luck hot takes when we hopefully speak to Andrew Luck next week. Yeah, can't argue with that. It's an interesting situation. We've it's just happened. It, we've literally just had it happen. Sorry, I know there was a pause there. <laughs> what? I was like, what are you doing? Confirmation that Andrew Luck has signed a contract with the Colts through to 2021. Jim Irsay has tweeted the news. He's in. Hashtag for the shoe. Uh, Irsay said he wanted to hit a July 4th deadline and the Colts pulled it off with a five-year extension to be believed. One report from NFL.com pegs the valuation of the deal above the $22.1 million Joe Flacco earns per season. I think we were expecting Andrew Luck to get the, the biggest deal of all time. I think there is a concern that... He, he showed enough in his first three, four years uh, that he will be that franchise quarterback and he will be there for a long time. And you've got to pay him for and that. I, I think Russell Wilson's performance in the second half of last year, Cam Newton's performance in last year overall, those two guys, for me, have pulled ahead of him right now. But he was so injured last season. Yeah. And finally, it looks like they're trying to do something about the offensive line and offer him a bit more protection, which could be the difference maker. Look, we're not good. let's not do some Andrew Luck hot takes now. Let's save it for next week when we know the details of the contract. Just after telling, <laughs> was it Will saying, well, yeah, we're not going to do it. We'll do it later. But we've just found out, and we do it a little bit. We will, we will <laughs> do some hot takes. We've done, uh, <laughs> will they be lukewarm takes? And then at Mickey Six Chins, Michael Collins asks us, which division do you predict will be the disgrace this year? Well, do you, do you know what? This has come up before, and I, I think we... 
I we think might be flip-flopping look, all the time on it. We're going to start our division-by-division division previews yeah. from next week? Yeah, let's do next week. So, we need to decide an order we're going to do them in. Here's my thinking. Alphabetical. <laughs> so hold on i have to actually work out what alphabet so afc east north southwest wait that's really AFC boring east, north, southwest. <laughs> that's, dreadful. that's the worst yeah why did you even suggest what that? about by total championships within division oh i quite like that starting off with the least going up to the most or vice versa with the least going up to the most Okay, here was my other suggestion, but this requires some thought from us, whereas that just requires a little bit of research. My other suggestion was, and and obviously that means the AFC South is first. Yeah. Because there's, like, all of two titles there. I was going to suggest that we make a decision between us over which divisions we think are the most difficult to predict and the easiest to predict, and we do it on that scale. So we say the easiest to predict is the... NFC South. And so we do that one first. And then we say the most difficult to predict is the AFC South, for example. So we do so we're giving ourselves what we're doing is we're totally giving ourselves enough rope that we're predicting the more difficult leagues later in the off season. I'm trying to make it easier for us, Ollie. Uh, you, the way you describe <laughs> it just hurt my head. So yeah, we, we I think we try and figure out which are the tighter divisions and which are the why don't we put it out there? It's disparity. But guys, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> Acridine, tweet us an order that you'd like us to do the divisions in. The first one to do it, we might do it in that order. All right, sounds good. Right, uh, let's wrap this up and say uh, once more, uh, uh, obviously, about the sad passing of Buddy Ryan. Um, we, uh, if we do manage to secure a couple more interviews off the emails we've been doing, I will set those interviews up and I will look to bring those to you. We could either do them as extra podcasts or... Or certainly on the next show. We've well, all people do have been saying they want more pods. Yeah, they do. I, I mean, more, more of their favourite pod. I don't know whether that's us. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. We should be doing more pods, particularly as we close in on proper training camps, etc. So we'll definitely be looking to do weekly ones from now on. Lord knows what we're going to do when I go to Chile for three weeks, but we'll figure it out. Do they have uh, internet in Chile? Uh, yeah, when there's it, not an earthquake? It's not very good. <laughs> Isn't it? No. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, uh, do you so, know what? I'm going to get guests in. I'm yeah. going to start setting it up now. The great, great, great Bandini. You're going to end up having a better... T- you're going to have Ben in, Ben Isaacs in. Yeah, Ben Isaacs. Matt Coombs will come and do it. Carlson will do it. And it'll be a much better show than mine. And then I will be kicked off the show forever. Yeah. At Gridiron, who would you like to see Will Gavin replaced by? <laughs> Don't say know. James Dixon. <laughs> <laughs> so, otherwise, thank you so much for listening. Do tweet us at Gridiron. Check us out. Rate us on iTunes. It always does really help us get more listeners. Uh, details coming out of the Andrew Luck deal. $75 million over the first three years. <gasps> That's $25 million. That's pretty, pretty nuts. He is now the highest paid player per year. We expected that. We'll react to it more next week. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. Do tweet us. Get in touch with us. Ollie, any final thoughts? None. Otherwise, this has been The Gridiron Show.